I want to tell you a story. It's a story of a group of people who love God and listen to his call to reach their community with the gospel. Each time God called, they answered. With each step of faith they took, God asked them to trust him and take an even bigger step. The church grew as they trusted God's vision and the ripples of their efforts to reach people grew wider and farther across the world. You might have guessed that this is the story of Sugar Creek, but it's also God's story and your story too. We are the beneficiaries of a legacy that started over 40 years ago when God called a few families to sacrifice greatly to bring the gospel to their neighbors. They believed, as we do today, that a relationship with Jesus would radically change the lives of the people in the community around them. And they were right. When people saw the hope that shone from our church like a beacon, they came. And when they came, they shared that hope with other people and they came too. And every time we reached more people, we ran out of space. Every time we thought we had reached our limit, God stretched us further because God's vision has never been constrained by our number of seats, the size of our buildings, or the amount of our land. When God called us to grow, we sacrificed and built places that changed the lives of every age, nation, and tongue. When He called us to go, we sent what we had to the ends of the earth. And when devastation struck our neighbors, we showed them what the love of God looks like in action. God calls and we respond. That is the story of Sugar Creek. Today, we look around our church and see the many ways God has blessed us. He has literally brought the nations to our doorstep and allowed us to reach more people around the world than we could have ever imagined. But we also look around our community and see the evidence of hidden brokenness, hurt, and pain. We know our community needs the transformative power only the gospel can bring. The vast majority of our neighbors are completely ambivalent towards Jesus. People try to live beyond their means, and debt is crushing many of our families. 20% of our families in Richmond and Rosenberg are unable to provide their children's basic needs without help, and God has called us to go and reach these people where they are, in Sugarland, Missouri City, Richmond, Rosenberg, the inner city of Houston, and around the world. But this growth has created new challenges. Our multiple services are packed and we have no space to build. The Missouri City attendance has grown 250% and is in danger of having to turn people away. Our neighbors in Richmond and Rosenberg are in desperate need of the hope the gospel brings. And God has not lifted our burden for our brothers and sisters in pain around the world. So, what will we do? We believe God is calling us to expand the boundaries of our current reach, and we will do that through three strategic initiatives. First, we will pay off the $2.6 million owed on the Missouri City campus, giving them the ability to invest that freedom money into their community. Then, we will expand God's influence into Richmond and Rosenberg by sending 400 to 600 of our people to launch a new campus with services in both English and Spanish. Finally, we will continue to fund our mission goals around the world. In Nepal, we will continue to rescue young girls from human trafficking, helping them heal and introducing them to the gospel. In Bogota, Colombia, we will plant more churches that reach not only the Colombians, but its Venezuelan refugees. And in the most desperate parts of Houston, we will keep sending our members and resources. In total, we need to raise $5.7 million to accomplish these goals. 
God has created us for such a time as this to reach this region. So let's respond with, we'll do it. Here is how you can be a part. Pray. Together, your family and friends can pray that God will open our hearts and give us a passion for the lost and hurting around us. And give. Seek how God would have you sacrificially give to reach those whom he has placed in front of us. We are at a defining moment that will alter not only our lives, but of those we have yet to meet. Imagine what we can do as one church with one voice moving in one direction. Alone, you can make an impact, but together we can reach the world. I've got to tell you, I I love this church. I love this church's love for the Lord and love for his word and love to reach people that need Jesus Christ as Savior. I am so grateful that I got the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Sugar Creek for these years. I want to welcome our Missouri City Campus in with this service, and especially on this Sunday. I am so grateful that I get the opportunity to speak to all of our congregation because there's some things that are on my heart that I want to share with you, and I want to share it with everyone. It was in 1935, remember that day, 1935, that the country began to be called Iran. Take a look at this map. This is where Iran is located. You'll notice right there in the center of of that map, it's huge. But we know today Iran as the place that held American hostages for over a year. Iran is a place that funds terrorism, or at least the government of Iran funds terrorism around the world, is on the verge of getting a nuclear uh, bomb and has sworn that it will drop that bomb on Israel and destroy, wipe Israel off the face of this map killing millions of Jewish people. I want you to take a look at where little Israel is, way over to the side, and that gives you all the perspective that you need. But before 1935, it was called Persia. Persia was at one time in in history, it was one of the great empires of the world. It was one of the great kingdoms of the world. And in fact, during that time, those Bible times, one of the books, at at least there were several of the books, but one of the books that were written that we have in the Old Testament is called the book of Esther. It is in the Old Testament and it has four main characters. There is King Xerxes, who is the king of all of the Persian empire. There is Haman, who was the, the right-hand man of the king. He was sort of second in charge of the kingdom, a man named Haman. There was a man named Mordecai, who was a Jewish man who had actually uh, rescued the king in a certain moment in time, and the king was very appreciative of Mordecai. He was a Jewish man. And then the fourth character is Esther. Now, Esther is actually the young cousin of Mordecai, but Mordecai is so much older, it's sort of like an uncle and niece kind of relationship. Esther was a young Jewish girl, woman, and she was so beautiful. And she was such, had such a sweet spirit that Xerxes fell in love with Esther and he made Esther his wife. Now, he did not know that Esther was a Jewish girl. 
Haman, the second in command of all this Persian empire at the time, had a deep hatred in his heart for Jewish people. And he tricked the king into signing a commandment that on a certain day, every Jewish person in the entire Persian empire was to be killed. The news of that reached Mordecai and Mordecai went to Esther and he said to Esther, Esther, you've got to intercede. You may be the only person on the face of this planet who can rescue the Jewish people. And Esther said, but if I do it, if I tell Xerxes that I am a Jew, he may kill me. And it was at that moment that Mordecai said what is recorded in Esther chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And Esther gained courage. And she said, if I perish, I perish. So what happens next? I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm not going to tell you. You've got Esther, the book, right there in your Bible. You can read it for yourself. And in fact, don't read it right now. I'm trying to talk to you. But after the service is over, sometime this afternoon, you ought to sit and read it. It's a, it's a fantastic story. And it is very short. You could read the book of Esther and you would gain so much value to your life. Read the book of Esther. But I will tell you this. It doesn't end like you think. Something is going to happen you could have never guessed, okay? The book of Esther. But the key statement, the key statement that I want you to get is this. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? We've been in a series together entitled Who We Are, a people on mission. I got to tell you, I've loved going through the series. I really have. I love preparing the series. I've loved teaching the series. It has meant a lot to me. It has been a time of recommitment in my own heart of the mission that God has called me to do, us to do. It has been a great time for me. And I want to end, I want to bring this series to an end today by talking to you about what's next. For Sugar Creek, what's next? Every generation gets an opportunity to make a difference, and we're no exception. Every generation gets this chance, and we do too. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, redeem the time, meaning make the most of right now because the days are evil. Romans 13, 11 says, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Now, both of these passages and others in the Bible that, that uses this kind of language is simply saying there is an urgency of time. There is not a lot of time left. I don't mean that, that uh, the world's coming to an end, but for us, for our moment in this day, in this day there is just a little time left. Make the most of now. Make the most of your opportunity now. Make a difference. God opens a door. You better walk through the door when the door is open. That is true about where we are today at Sugar Creek Baptist Church. It is true for us. I have said several times, I'm going to keep saying this, that, that this is where we are today in this church is a defining moment for our church. 
A defining moment means that at this point in time, we make a decision, we make a response, and whatever we do, for good or not, will impact the next five, ten years of our history. This is a defining moment. This is an open door. This is an open window. we got to go through this moment. We've got to do it well. If there is anything that we grasped from the book of Esther, it is this concept that if when that defining moment comes, if we don't act by faith, if we do not have act by commitment, God will find somebody else. God will find somebody else and he'll put us on the shelf and he'll use somebody else because he will not allow his will to be thwarted. But oh, we want God to use us. I don't ever want to be put on the shelf. None of us do. Oh, God, use us. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I believe that we are the right people to impact this region. I believe that we are the people that God has called to impact this region. And I want to tell you why. There's four reasons. First, it is because we are the people of God. We're not the only people that are the people of God. Every person that gives their heart and life to Jesus Christ that accepts Jesus as their Savior is part of the people of God. But that includes us, and we are the people of God. God is the creator of every person, but he is only the father of some. So how does a person have God be their heavenly father? How does that happen? Well, the Bible explains it in, in John chapter 1 and verse 12 when he says, To all who receive Christ, to those who believe in his name, to those he gives the power, the right, to be called the children of God. How many of you on both campuses, on the Missouri City campus, at the Sugarland campus, how many of you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Would you just by an uplifted hand? I see hands everywhere on this campus, and I know the same is true at Missouri City. Well, the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Bible says he comes to live inside of us, and he brings us into the family of God. God is our Heavenly Father. It makes us the people of God. And so it is to us that Jesus gave these promises when he said this on Matthew 16, verse 18, you are my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. It is the promise that Jesus gave in John 14, verse 12, and the works that I do shall you do and greater works than these shall you do. And he goes on to say in the verse, because I go to my father. What does he mean? Because the moment Jesus went back to his father, ascended back to heaven, the Holy Spirit or 40, 30, 40 days later, the Holy Spirit came 10 days later. I'm going to get the days right. The Holy Spirit came. God's Spirit has come to guide us and lead us and empower us, and he has called us out to be the people of God. This great promise, these great promises have been given to us. But we are not just the right people to impact the region because we're the people of God. We are also the right people to impact this region because we look like this region. Last week, as we were 
looking at how do we do this together, this great mission of God together. We paused for a few moments and we celebrated the diversity of this church. It's absolutely amazing what's happened here and we celebrated that together. But it's not always been this way. So how did this happen? How did it happen that this church has become so diverse? I don't know. I really don't know. Here is what I know. I know that after I had been here for three weeks, four weeks, something like that, that as I was coming to church on a Monday morning, as I was coming to the office, I'm not a mystic, okay? I don't, I don't have all these experiences all the time. I'm not a mystic. But as I was driving here in my car, there was a sense of the known presence of God. I know how weird that sounds. I know how strange it sounds. But there was something unique and different that was happening, and I don't understand it. But here's what I do know. There was a sense of the presence of God in my car. I know God's everywhere, but I also know in Scripture that there are times in which he intersects, intersects individuals' lives to do something, to speak something, to move something in the direction he wants it to go. And what happened was, in my car... There was such a sense of a presence of God. I, was, I could barely see the road. I was actually having tears streaming down my cheeks. And I said, I don't, God, what is going on? And I heard God say, not audibly, I didn't hear a voice, but in my heart. See, I believe God still speaks to us today, just like he has spoken before. And in my heart, I heard him say to me, pray that Sugar Creek look like a restaurant in Sugarland, which has to be the most odd thing that God would have ever said to anybody. And I know you're saying, what? I know it, it sounds totally crazy, but here's the truth. I knew what that meant. Kathy and I've never lived in a place like this. You've heard this said that we are, that Fort Bend County is the most ethnically diverse county in America. I mean, more than Chicago and New York and Los Angeles, it's just the most amazing thing. I have never seen anything like it before in my life. And we would go, we were here, we just knew, and we'd go to restaurants and we would see people of five or six different ethnicities, different parts of the world. I've never seen anything like it. Speaking different languages. It was astounding. And I knew what God meant. I knew he was saying to me, pray that Sugar Creek look like this region. Well, I'm a strategist. I love strategy. I just love spending time working through how do we solve these issues and problems. And so when I got to work and we had staff meeting that afternoon, I shared with the staff what had happened to me. And I probably shouldn't have done it because what weird pastor do we have that has things happen in his car on the way to work? And so I know, I know it. I thought later, wow, I, that probably wasn't the best thing to do. But we talked for an hour and here's what I said. Let's talk about how we could strategically reach people from, every, from other ethnicities. And after an hour of conversation, I said, no offense to anybody, but I didn't hear one thing, including the things I said, that I think would actually work. 
And so here's what I said to them. You know, all I know is there's a heaviness in my heart about this. And we ought to do what God just said for me to do. Pray. So we got on our knees as a staff and we prayed and we said, God, we don't have the slightest idea how this would happen, how to do this. But we ask that you would open up this church in such a way that your will would be accomplished in reaching people all over the region. That's what we prayed. And did you know the sense of the burden of that sort of lifted from me? And I, every so often I'd pray about that, but I wasn't even paying attention. There was so much to do in the church. And two years later, it was about, but I got up to speak just like I am now. And I looked around and I was stunned. I was stunned at what was happening in this church. People were coming from every direction, every, every uh, country, every background, every ethnicity. It was just amazing. And so the next day I said to the staff, are you seeing this? They said, we're all seeing it everywhere. And I asked them, what is happening? What, why is this happening? And to every, every single person said, we don't have the slightest idea. So here's what I want to say. How did this happen? I don't have the slightest idea. Except God except it was an answer to a prayer that we asked, oh God, would you help this church reach this region? So why did God do this? I can tell you, I can tell you this. God did this because he wants us to reach this region and to reach the region, region we gotta look like the region. You see, any individual from any ethnicity in this whole region who walks into either one of our two campuses, who walks into the campus and looks around will say, hey, I see people that look like me. I, I, I can feel comfortable here. And what has happened in this church is that God has raised up a congregation on now two campuses that look like the region because he wants us to reach this region. This church almost mirrors exactly the demographics of Fort Bend County. God has positioned this church to reach the region. I believe there were, were the right people to reach the region because we're the people of God, because we look like this region. But third, because we love and care for each other. You go around from church to church and churches are just fighting like cats and dogs and they're all mad at each other and there's factions and, and groups vying for power, but it's not here. It's just not happening here. I'm not saying that everybody agrees with every single thing. I'm sure there are things that I've decided that you say, ah, oh, pastor, you could have done a lot better job than that and maybe I could have and maybe you were right and I'm wrong. But what I'm saying is, is that we don't fight. We're not vying for power. We're not beating each other up. We're not angry at each other. It just doesn't exist here. This is a place like so few places that is so much at peace. And so much in love and caring for each other and being there for each other. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything. We, we, we think differently about political things and differently about social things. We, we don't agree with each other about everything, but there are two things that tie us together. Every person in this church loves Jesus. Amen? Every person in this church loves Jesus Christ, and every person in this church loves the Word of God. Amen? And those two things are the ties that bind us. 
Because no matter what you think about this subject or that or, or this opinion or that opinion, what I know about you and what you know about me is that we love Jesus with all of our heart and we love the word of God with all of our heart. And these two things bind us together. We're the right people to reach this region because we are the people of God and that we look like the region and we're not fighting. We love each other. We care for each other. And fourth, because we love others that are not yet a part of God's family. We just finished the one-year anniversary of Hurricane Harvey, and, and we've talked about this, how much this church stepped up to the moment, and 1,700 volunteers cleaning out other people's houses. We didn't even know their names, never see them again, many of them, but we love you, and we were the love of Christ evident in this region, but that isn't new for Sugar Creek. Second Mile Mission Center, the regional mission center of this whole area who helps impoverished people or there for people in need. It started in this church. Second Mile started here. It started here and out of this church emerged this second mile mission center and it became so huge that we, and then we opened it up and said, it doesn't just belong to us. And we let other churches be a part and it's just gone crazy of helping people around this region. And we're still so hardwired into second mile, but it started with a heart of love for other people in this church. Living Water International is a ministry that, that, that drills water wells in third world countries, little villages that they have never in their whole life drank a cup of water that wasn't contaminated. But now, because of the water wells that come, they can drink clean water, not go through the contamination and the germs and all the parasites and all that and, and live longer. And, and, and now it's an international organization, but it started here in this church. Living water started right here. And it grew so big, we just said, we got to let other people be a part of it and it became an international ministry. But it started with the heart of these people, of us in this church. We're still doing urban camp it is a, is a camp for inner city kids, at-risk kids, and we've seen so many kids come to Christ and their lives be rescued and changed. And we're still doing urban camp 27 years later, and we've added multi-cultural uh, uh, camp to it. And where we're now in the multi-cultural camp, we are reaching refugee kids. We've got refugees coming from every part of the world. It's, it's crazy coming to Houston and it's Muslims and it's, it's Hindus and it's people from all over the world. And we have this multicultural camp for these kids and kids are coming to Christ and their parents are coming to Christ. It is just amazing what's happening. And it's coming from here. Because the people in this church love other people who are not yet a part of the family of God and may never be, but we love them. We are the right people. We are the right people, and God has chosen us for this moment, and it is not an arrogant statement that I'm making. It is simply saying God has invited us decade after decade. Could I count on you? And every time we've said yes, you can count on us. We're the right people to reach the region. Second of all, we have the right message to reach the region. America has so many needs. 
We need our politicians and our government to work. We need our business community to work. We need good jobs. We need a safe country. We need all these things. We've always needed them. We'll always need them. But America's greatest need is to be changed from the inside. One person at a time. America's need is to be changed from within. We need to know and to surrender ourselves to the God who made us. The greatest need in America is for revival, as for people to give their heart to Jesus Christ. It is America's hope. The gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to bring people into a relationship with God, and it is the only thing that does. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 14 to 16, for, and listen to how he puts it, for I owe a great debt to you and to everyone else. Do you hear him? For I owe a great debt to you and everyone else. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is God's powerful method of bringing all who believe it to heaven. Have you ever thought of this about yourself, that you are a debtor? I'm not talking about borrowing money to buy something. I'm talking about that you are a debtor like Paul is talking about. So how is it that I would be a debtor? There were people that came before me that made a space available in the Sugarland Worship Center and the Missouri City Worship Center, that there were people before us that made the space available, that made the classrooms available for our children and our adults, that made, that made the commons areas on both campuses available, that made the property available. There were people that sacrificed and, and committed themselves and gave of themselves before we ever got here that opened the door for us. And now we need to do it for others that we don't know what they look like. They have not walked in the door, but we open. We are a debtor of what others have done for us to now open the door for others. To know Jesus Christ and have their lives forever changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel changes people's lives. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. She is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. God's changing us. God's changing us. He's not finished. We're still under construction, every one of us. He's not done yet. He's not finished yet. He won't be finished till we get to heaven, but he is changing us from the inside out. That's the power of the gospel of Christ. And this region needs to be changed. One person at a time coming to know Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior. Now listen, this message of Jesus Christ has two sides. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth full of grace and truth. This culture, this culture despises churches who hold fast to the truth of the word of God. 
This culture despises churches that hold fast to the truth of God's word. It is offended. The culture is offended by the truth of the Bible. But Jesus told us this. Jesus said, don't be surprised by this at all. Listen to what he says in John chapter 15, verse 19. The world would love you if you belong to it, but you don't. For I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. Stop worrying about whether the, the world, stop trying to get the world to love you. Stop worrying about whether it loves you or not. Stop doing it, he says. Do you remember what I told you? A slave isn't greater than his master, so since they persecuted me naturally, naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. The people of the world will persecute you because. Why? Because you belong to me, Jesus. For they do not know God who sent me. Churches who compromise God's word to fit in the culture end up dying, and they should. But as much as the culture does not want churches to hold to the truth, they want them to compromise the truth. When the church compromises the truth, they have nothing to say to the culture, and the culture knows it. And those churches die. But churches who only hold to the truth with no grace can become harsh and mean. And grace with no truth becomes weak and meaningless. Jesus was both grace and truth. I love the way this person said it. Truth without grace is surgery without anesthesia. Imagine that. But grace without truth is a prescription bottle with no medicine in it. The world needs Jesus and needs the gospel, and it needs us to love and to hold securely to the truth of God's word because our message can change this region for Christ. We have the right message. Third, we've been given the right method. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. God did not say, just turn on the lights, open the door, and all the lost people will come, all the, church, all the, all the world will come. No, it's not going to happen. But did you know that most churches today are operating like that? Well, we turn on the lights, we open the door, we put a little ad in the paper, we put a little sign, everybody welcome in the front, why won't people come? Because it was never the intention of God. Jesus said, go. He said, go. He is talking about being an outwardly focused church. Inwardly focused churches die no matter who they are. Inwardly focused, it's just about us, it's just about us taking care of us, it's just about, don't worry about those people out there, but outwardly focused churches accomplish the great commission with God's power fueling them. Jesus said, go. We're to go. 
Now listen, the Sugarland campus is landlocked. The Sugarland campus is landlocked. We got 13 acres and we are limited, but God's vision for us is not limited. God never called us to fill up this campus at Sugarland and stop. He never told us to do that. He has called us to never, any V-E-R, to never stop, never ever stop doing all that we can do to reach this region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He said never stop 12 years ago. As we were looking and seeing what God was doing in this place that it was filling up so fast, we wondered, should we relocate this church to another campus because we're going to fill up these 13 acres. It's going to be done. And there, what do we do? And so we went looking for more land. We went as far down 59 as we could and far down 90. And though there was empty land at the time, we went to the city of Sugarland. They said, it's empty land, but it's all been platted. It's done. You can't, there's not any land available here. And we would have to buy enough land that would be more than 13 acres, 25, 50 acres, whatever. No land existed except we'd have to go all the way to Richmond. But look at the hole it would leave in Sugar, sugar Land. And we began to pray, oh God, what do you want us to do? You've given us a dream to reach the region. What are we going to do? And it was there God began to speak to our heart. I want you to become a multi-campus church. A multi-campus church has no ceiling. It has no limit. All you got to do is reach the saturation of that property. You get send uh, hundreds of people off to start a new campus, and then both campuses are reaching people again. And it's exactly what we did almost six years ago. We sent 400 people away and started our second campus. It's called, it was called originally the Siena campus, and now it's the Missouri City campus, and it is the congregation that's listening to me now. And this campus is going crazy. It is growing so fast, it's unbelievable. Just one year ago, it was 350, and now it's over 900. Over 900 in average attendance. We had one service and now we've got three. And it's just filling up so fast. It's reaching saturation level. And now the Sugarland campus is reaching saturation level again. For the, for the Sugarland campus, saturation is not the worship center. There will be space. And it is now not the buildings for, for Connect because we solved that problem. It's the parking it's the parking. Do you know how many people that we shuttle from off-site, off-campus parking? Over 2,000 people. We shuttle in from off-campus parking spaces every single Sunday, and we're reaching a saturation level. And God is calling us yet again to launch another campus. And in fact, both campuses, the Missouri City and Sugarland, are reaching a saturation level, and it is a time we must act. 
We don't do this because we want to be some size church. We don't care what size God has us. And we don't do it so that other people will know about us. We don't care if anybody knows our name. We only care about one thing, to see as many people that are lost come to know Christ as Savior and as many people are saved to grow and mature and disciple, be discipled in their faith with Christ. That's all that is the passion of our heart. We see in our eyes the children that need to come to know Christ, the teenagers that need Jesus, the adults that need the Lord, the families that are falling apart, that we could help. And God keeps burning the passion in our heart and saying, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. I want you to keep reaching others for me. And we believe that we've come to a time of a need to now launch, send several hundred people away to a third campus. So there's three things that must happen in this moment, this defining moment of our church. First, our regular ongoing budget has to stay, keep growing because that's the key to launching new campuses is a growing budget. Second of all, our Missouri City campus is growing like crazy. They're running over 900 now, and they're running out of space. And the only way the Missouri City campus can keep going is to build a worship center. Our Missouri City campus is taking on the project of building a new worship center. And that expansion we paid over and above what they give to their budget. And our Missouri City family has taken it on as their project. And I think the Sugarland campus ought to say, we thank you for what you are doing, your courage and, and your commitment. Yay, God. Yay, God, for our Missouri City family. The third thing is that our Sugarland campus is continuing to support this multi-site dream, multi-campus dream that God gave to us by taking on three projects. The first project is to finish paying off the purchase of the Missouri City campus. We bought it a year and a half ago for $4.2 million. And over the space of this last year, we not only took that on, but we also renovated the building for a half a million dollars and paid cash and built a parking lot on the Missouri City campus for $620,000 and paid cash. And we paid down that 4.2 all the way down to 2.6 million. How do we did that? do that? We did that through the reserves of this church, the savings of this church. And it's the Sugarland campus that has been paying the debt service on this property and paying this off. So why? Because this is what mama campuses do for our kids. We wanted to take the pressure off of our Missouri City family. And so we've been taking the pressure. We've been taking this on. And we're wanting to pay that off completely in full this next year, it still is $2.6 million. We'd like to pay that off. The second thing is we want to launch the third campus. And that third campus will be in Richmond-Rosenberg area. Why there? Because we have so many of our members that live in the Richmond-Rosenberg area. And guess what? We've already talked to all, over two-thirds of our members. And we now have 373 
of our members that have said, we're all in, we are going to the Richmond Rosenberg campus. We are gonna be a part of that launch team. And we've got another 377 who have said to us, look, we are very interested. We are more than likely will go. We need more information, need to pray a little bit longer but we, we are very open in our heart to go. We believe we've already got the critical mass we need now to launch that third campus, and the only thing that's holding us back is to be able to pay for the cost of building out the space. We're going to lease some space, some storefront space in the Richmond-Rosenberg area. I can't tell you where it is because we're in negotiations, but it's down 59. It's gonna be in a great location but it'll cost us $2.4 million to take that empty space and turn it into a church. And we're asking the Sugarland campus to pay the whole bill to see this happen. The third thing is that we have missions month every year. It's in December every year. And the goal is $700,000. And we're asking the Sugarland campus to pay that in advance. Instead of having a campaign, a reach campaign, and two months later, now we have another offering for Missions Month, we're going to roll it all into one. And we're asking the Sugarland Campus to do it this year. The multi-campus method is the right method for Sugar Creek. It is what God has called us to do. And there's one last thing I want to say, and we have the right power with the right people, with the right message, with the right method, and we have the right power. Jesus said, and you'll, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and he will make you my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit of God has filled us and is leading us, is guiding us, is teaching us and empowering us. We have the right power. And so on both campuses today, I have the privilege of sharing this answer. What's next for Sugar Creek? God is moving us to do this. And I'm challenging us as a church to say yes to him. I'm going to ask on both campuses. I'm asking on both campuses, let's stand together. Will we do it? And I'm asking you to hold the hand of the person next to you. Hold your hands, hands across the aisles. And I'm asking us to pray. We may be separated by a few miles, but we're one. And I'm asking just across the aisles to grab each other's hands. Let's pray together. Let's ask God to move in this church and meet this need on both campuses. Father, we come to you today and we ask, oh God, would you move in our church? This is what you have led us to do. You have spoken to our hearts, this multi-campus ministry, because we're never, ever, ever, ever going to stop with the great commission of Jesus of bringing people to Christ. We're never going to stop. And so, God, I pray that you would bring us today to this moment on the Missouri City campus, give courage and commitment to this project, give courage and commitment to us on the Sugar Land campus, give courage and commitment to us as Sugar Creek Baptist Church to rise to this moment this defining moment, and use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.